flip the switch or you're gonna have to start saying no to a lot of stuff. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast presented by Hippo Direct. This is your place to hear from a new entrepreneur or innovator every single Wednesday morning who's turning wild ideas into wild growth. I'm your host, Max Brandstetter, podcasting dude at Hippo Direct. And you can reach me at max at hippodirect.com to help bring your podcast to life and use it as a marketing tool. This is episode Z1079, and today's guest is Jessica, not Alfred, Hitchcock. She is a finance director turned full-time artist who creates some of the most beautiful paintings you will ever see. In this interview, we talk about her creative process, how to start a business around something that you are super passionate about, and in the unusual section, she basically just totally unleashes into her own talent show, and I have just never heard anything like it, so get ready for that. Let's get hitched. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, we are here with Jessica Hitchcock, the professional businesswoman extraordinaire turned full-time artist. I'm sure that is the official title that you're going for. Jessica, <laughs> welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Great, Max. Thanks for having me. Of course. This has been a long time coming. We've been connected on IG for the longest time and just been blown away by your art. And the more I learned about your story, I was like, oh my God, we need to, we need to set up this interview. We need to have Jessica on the show. So this is really cool. The, the first burning question I have though is any relation to Alfred? <laughs> no, uh, unfortunately, no. This is actually my married name. That's why I married my husband was for the last name. <laughs> gotcha. I'm totally just kidding. Um, no, no relation, but it's a fun last name, so. I enjoy it. <laughs> it definitely is. It definitely is. You don't see too many Hitchcocks out there, but that's uh, quite the brand halo that ties you to. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you ever want to get into the uh, the thriller or horror world, I think you have a natural setup Just there. Just fit right in, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But we are going to dive into your art in a bit. But before that, imagine a world where art didn't exist, which I know is like a terrible thought. A terrible, I know, you just kind of... <laughs> Sorry to ruin your day, but what do you think you would be doing? Honestly, I would just be doing accounting and bookkeeping, which I love. So it's not exactly a complete downfall. It would be sad because it wouldn't be for an art organization because that was, you know, I love accounting and, and numbers and all of that stuff. And so I would really just be doing that, working in a business as an accounting or bookkeeper. Again, it is a passion of mine, but I just love the fact of tying it in with an art organization. That's kind of the awesome part, but that's what I'd be doing. Yeah, but that's not possible because there's no, no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but yeah, you do have a background in that world and in the finance world. What appealed to you about that part and the number side of thing in the first place? Wow. Well, it, that's a great question. When I got an office job initially, it was just like that entry level position, just kind of talking to customers and things like that. But I had a knack for business naturally, which I had no idea. And I would say I'm kind of like a weed in an office. Like I just want to continue to learn and pick up pieces and just that problem solving. And I want to streamline processes. And these are like traits that I had no idea that I had. So eventually I just kept getting more and more responsibilities in the office setting. And I was doing accounts receivable and I was doing raw materials inventory and, and all of these different things. And it became a passion and I think I'm drawn to that and how it even ties into running your own business. It's just that problem solving. You know, there's always some, some creative outlet that you can learn and solve and streamline and make better. And so I think that's how, why I was drawn to it because it does have that creative aspect to it in a way of thinking outside the box and even with the numbers, it's just kind of like a problem you're solving and I don't know, just, just the endless opportunity of ways to streamline processes and answer questions. Well, you are creative to the core because I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of jokes. You know, there's jokes about every profession, but the jokes about the accounting world don't typically revolve around creativity and creative <laughs> problem solving. Yeah, so you've taken yeah, no a, an innovative approach to that. When that was your 
full-time gig. What steps or process did you have for creative problem solving? I mean, you mentioned you were, you were like a weed in the office. I mean, did you take it upon yourself to ask around and learn as much as possible? Or is there kind of a more internal approach that you took to solving these problems? A kind of a little bit of both. I mean, I would always pay attention to what other people were doing and kind of ask questions. It's kind of like, oh, do you need any help with this? You know, can I help? Or maybe if we do it this way, this may streamline it. But I would say that would be the most creative approach I had is to really take in how it was currently being done and look for other opportunities or any other things that I could take on. I just constantly wanted to move into those areas. And so even in the business setting, it was kind of like, if they don't want me to work on this, they'll tell me to stop. <laughs> and no one ever told me to stop. So I just kind of kept taking on more things and learning more things. And that was just really the creative hunger of wanting to always learn more. Ooh, creative hunger. I like that. That's a new <laughs> Coin that term. <laughs> That's a new one. Yeah, we'll trademark it right here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll call up a friend. But so you're in this office job. You're doing, you're doing stuff in the finance world. I know you did some things in the HR world as well. Are you painting? Are you doing your whole art? Your whole art. <laughs> Are you doing art this whole time? Or is there a certain point that you kind of picked it up and was like, hey, this is this is pretty cool? Yeah, so that's actually like the interesting part of the journey and the story because no, I was not doing art at all. I started painting in high school and that was where I learned that I enjoyed it and I had a knack for it. So of course, when people ask, high schoolers, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? So I was like, I want to be an artist. But back when I was in high school, you know, there was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. We had MySpace. Do you remember MySpace? I do, which actually, it's still around. Like we always joke about it not being around. It's still around. It's just maybe not quite as popular as it used to be. Right, right. So I mean, there really wasn't a platform for artists to share their work or think outside the box. So of course, when you tell people you want to be an artist, the initial response is, oh, a starving artist, you don't want to do that, you know, you're not going to be able to pay your bills. So I didn't go to school for artistry or getting a master's or anything like that. I was actually just a waitress at that. Well, waitresses are awesome. So I don't say just a waitress because they're fantastic. But I ended up getting this office job after being a waitress and things like that. And I wanted to learn business. And that is when I end up getting my business degree. So I have a bachelor's degree in business administration. And that's through working in this admin position, realizing that I had a knack and a passion for business and numbers and accounting. And that's when I got my bachelor's and went to school then. Still not painting at all. And we were still living in Illinois at the time. I didn't live in St. Louis, Missouri at that point either in 2013, ended up moving to St. Louis, Missouri, to a city where I knew nobody other than my boyfriend at the time, now my husband. And you knew the St. Louis Arch as well, probably. I knew the Arch. I was familiar with the Arch and the Cardinals. <laughs> there you go. But, but that was really it. And still didn't paint for those two years. I worked in an office at the time. And eventually, in 2015, when I got my job at an art organization working in the administration office, that's when I picked up painting again. And that's kind of when it all started. But even moving to a new city where you don't know anyone and starting an art business from nothing and nobody and no contacts, it's been a really fun, exciting journey. Yeah, certainly. And you can feel it in your voice. I think that's maybe the most mind-blowing thing about your whole story is if you go to your website or your Instagram, if you go to jessicahitchcock.org and look at your paintings, I mean, they're so beautiful. They're so colorful. They're so creative. There's just such a fun vibe about them. Thank and you. so I think anybody would guess, oh my God, Jessica's probably been painting since she was like three months old and never stopped. <laughs> and that's, that's the really fascinating part is you actually weren't doing it the whole time, but you, you picked it up and have still been able to be that powerful of an artist. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, no, I have not been painting since three years old. Yeah, it's true. Let's get to art being your full-time job. So at what point did it click for you that, hey, you know, starving artists, yada, yada, yada. I want this to be what I do full-time and I believe in myself that I can do this. Well, 
it's funny because I started painting in 2015 and the business, it, I mean, it grew. I mean, I still call it it's my art practice, but it, I always consider it a business. Um, it grew and it grew. And it was around 2017 of just seeing other artists on Instagram and Instagram and seeing them thrive and make good money and just their marketing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a thing. Like this is legit. This is an option. But I still didn't consider it for myself until probably, I think that was 2018. And it was my husband and also my colleague that was in the finance office with me. I mean, they saw how hard I was working. You know, at 4 a.m. I was waking up and painting before work, of course, 4.30 a.m. painting, doing commissions. At lunchtime, I'd be picking up prints and packing orders and shipping them. And then in the evenings, I would be painting more. And I mean, and it was a labor of love because I totally, I mean, I absolutely loved it. There's times I would tell my husband, I got to skip dinner, you know, I got to get this done. And, and it was just that constant, I mean, it is a hustle, you know, it was a hustle mentality, but it was that, that just love of the game kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but they, they said, you know, you are spending a lot of time in this. It's kind of turned into a second full-time job. Can you do this full-time? Because I really think that you can. And at that point, being the bookkeeper, numbers lover that I am, I crunched the numbers and I put together like this projected, I call it like my, my runway, my financial runway of when I could save up enough money where I felt comfortable, what I needed in order to leave my full-time job. So I was very methodical in that process of, can I make this a full-time gig? What do I need to do it? And when's that date that I'm you know, moving on into this? That's so cool. You actually used your background in we'll call it the numbers world and it applied to help start up your new business. But you hear about so many entrepreneurs that when they're working another full-time job, they are working kind of crazy hours on their side hustle. And for you, it's really cool that that side hustle, it's not just figuring out what is this new business going to look like or working on new clients, things like that. You're painting that whole time. So it's like a, quite the mix of your full-time job at the time and then painting. I can't believe that you would wake up at like 4 a.m. to do this. When you think back to that, what's going through your mind at that moment? Are you waking up and you're like, oh God, like I only have this much amount of time to get this painting done before work. Or is it more like you just wake up energized because this is something that you love doing? It was kind of a mix of both. I mean, of course, there are days where you're just like, I need to get out of these orders, or I need to make sure that I'm meeting people's dates. You know, if they commission me for a pet portrait that they're going to give to their wife as a gift, you know, there's deadlines and I've never missed a deadline. And it is, it was just this nice blend too, of waking up and having that, this is what I get to do. Like people are paying me, like this is a side business that I'm actually making money to do something I'm passionate about. And I still get to go to work and I'm passionate about accounting. <laughs> <laughs> so it was this weird you know, I was kind of in awe that I got to wake up that early and have work for something I was so passionate about. And then during the day, I could still do things I was passionate about. That's an awesome mix there. How would you describe your style of painting? Let's see. Well, it's, it's very, and I kind of put it in this context all the time, it is very lively and energetic and bright and joyful. And no matter what the subject matter is. So I paint abstracts, I've painted animals and cityscapes and flowers and uh, pastries, like my confection collection I had, which was a really <laughs> fun, fun thing to do. It's all very bright and colorful and it, it's just energetic and it's joyful and it just has the power to really change the way that someone is feeling. I mean, that's, I know this may sound like completely cheesy, but I have had people say, just looking at your artwork, it makes me feel better. Or I'm a cynical person, but when I see your work, it makes me happy. And I just absolutely love that about artwork, that it has the power to really transform the way people are feeling and what they're thinking. And so I think that my artwork has the power to do that through the color and the energy that's put into each piece. It definitely does. I think just looking at one of your pieces, I like the word lively because it's very specific, but it it's sure to put a smile on your face or at least make you think happy thoughts. <laughs> and I think that's amazing. How did you find your niche in that 
area? It really just came about naturally since, you know, I didn't go to school for this, even though when I was in school, I did take a few studio courses just to kind of learn it really, especially with the color palettes, it's so natural. I don't know anything really about color theory, so I don't teach that, (laughs) but it's just this natural ingrained. Sometimes when you put two colors next to each other, like I could just see the energy and like that vibration and how the colors play off one another. And I mean, it really is just trial and error. And I have tried to create paintings that have more neutral earth tone feels to it. And then they, at the end of the day, they end up being this bright explosion of color. <laughs> so it's <laughs> just like, you can't turn away from it. You can't, yeah, exactly. it I can't hide from it. So it really is just this natural, even between the color theory aspect of it, just kind of like, as I go, it's just, my eye knows what it wants to see. And so I just kind of move through that. I just love how you can't turn it off. And so I think that, <laughs> that kind of proves how that style is a perfect fit for you because it's just naturally coming out. Yeah. How much of your time is spent actually doing these paintings and doing your artwork versus working on the business and figuring out different revenue streams and new business opportunities? What's kind of the, the parallel there? That is a fantastic question. Oh, I thank you. I, I don't, I, I often get, you know, great question, but not often do I get fantastic questions. Well, that's so thank one you. of them. That's, one that's of them. a fantastic compliment. <laughs> um, I would say probably 60, 40, 60% working on the business and 40% painting in the studio. Um, and the reason why that is, and I teach this in some of my business for artists courses, but there's so much that takes place past the easel and you can create all the paintings in the world, the most beautiful creations. But if you don't know the business side, if you don't know your finances, if you aren't strategic in your marketing, if you don't know how to market it or reach and grow your audience, like it's a business at the end of the day. So even if you painted all these things and they just sat in your studio, it's not doing you or anyone any good. It's not serving anybody. And so with my business, I do create but it's also just that idea that there's so much more that happens past the studio. There's just so much more past the easel and to run a successful art business because it's a blessing that we get to do what we love, you know, and get paid for our passion. And so all these turns of phrases (laughs) sound pretty (laughs) cheesy, but it's so true. It's such a, a great thing. And to be able to properly harness that and realize you can create, and that's one thing, but man, sharing it with people in the proper way and being able to sustain that is such a big deal. So that's why I spend a lot of time on the business background of it too, just to make sure that, you know, minute for the long haul. So I want to make sure that I'm setting my business up appropriately. Yeah. And you need to be that way if you want it to be whatever you're doing full time and no problem with the cheesy references. I love cheese. So the more cheese, the better. Beautiful. But <laughs> when you look across your business as a whole and, and what you've set up and, and grown over the years. We obviously don't need to talk numbers specifically, but what kind of mix of different revenue streams do you have? Obviously, what comes to mind is your artwork, but you also you're helping other artists turn their passion into a full-time business. I know there's other stuff you're doing as well. What What's kind of the breakdown there? Yeah, no, Another fantastic question. Um, (laughs) You don't need to say that every time, every every other. (laughs) Um, But that's really great because especially when you're running a business, it's so important and especially creative business to have different revenue streams and the teaching other artists, that's just something that came about this year. So a lot of it is of course, selling originals that I create, selling commissions, I have prints, I have products, there's some licensing that I do. Uh, There are some events that I take place in. I really enjoy, and I know this year has been a little different um, because of COVID, but a lot of boutiques and coffee shops, you know, I will put artwork out there because I'm just really big on reaching the masses, you know, with, with my artwork. So those are the main things. There is a lot of them, but it's so, I mean, it's just so important to have a healthy business is to have a lot of different revenue streams. Definitely. Yeah. To diversify your streams there. Mm-hmm. Which of those takes up most of your time when you're in that kind of creating mode? I would probably say the commissions only because 
you're working with someone and I love that process of creating a piece and a special custom piece for people based on what they have in mind and putting my spin on it and that collaboration. But it also goes back to just that thought of that perfectionist and I want to be sure this is their vision. I want to be sure this is what they have in mind. So sometimes it will take me a little longer to work on commission pieces just because of my constant want to be sure that it's what they have in mind as well. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like whenever you're working on something like that, it's a cool time to be extra creative, but also focus based on whatever, whatever the request is or whatever, mm -hmm. however it's being used. When you think about how you've been able to market the business and grow the business, what tool or strategy that you've used has proven to be most effective? Oh, honestly, it has just been the genuine connection with other people and networking, you know, maybe this dirty word, but it's so true just to like go to events. I, I, I think, I think it's mostly clean. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but just the genuine and the genuine connection with people, not just, you know, reaching out to people here and there and here and there, but actually building these relationships with people in person, you know, going to networking events and meeting other people and talking with them and being thoughtful about it. And, but also online, and getting to know people's stories and their backgrounds and cheer them on. That has been just this honest intention behind it. I mean, and people could feel when you're genuine and authentic, but that has probably been the biggest part of my growth with my business is just the fact that I love people and I want to learn all about them and I want to cheer them on and, and empower them and get to know them. And through that, that's how a lot of opportunities have come up in the past it really is just the connection that's so cool it ties right back to the style of your art and the cheerful and positive vibes there yeah i discovered you on instagram and so of course was blown away by your instagram presence and it's instagram in itself is such a such a powerful and such a a fantastic opportunity for artists and people in the creative space since it is such a visual medium how impactful has Instagram been for you? It has been a complete game changer. That's where a lot of my focused effort has been over the past few years. And the reach that you're able to have, and going back to the whole connection as well, the connections that you're able to make with people and meet people and even just using a hashtag of the city that you're in, like STL artist, getting opportunities through that, even something, I mean, it's just mind blowing. The opportunities, it, I mean, it's been a complete game changer for my business, 100% hands down. Through the connections I've made, people sharing the artwork through that and really just being intentional about the growth and reaching out and meeting people through the, through the space, going back to it's just been a game changer. It has, and you can see it just by looking at your account. What if you kind of figured out, like everybody's trying to like, hack the algorithm and figure out what hashtags are the right thing to use. But in addition to just trying to be genuine and positive and connecting with people and, you know, having a passion for people, what else has proven really effective for you on Instagram? To be honest, it's kind of like the moment I stopped focusing on the numbers, like the, the how many followers I have and all of that jazz. And I've actually just consistently been showing up and sharing, you know, messages, sharing my journey, like that really has been what's made all the difference in my experience. There's no secret thing, or I don't really care about the algorithm. I don't really, not say I don't care about the followers. I focus on the, I'm all about bringing people into my world, but I make sure that the people are, that are currently following me and in my world, that I am taking care of them and I'm nurturing them and I'm connecting and communicating with them. And that is what has made all the difference to be honest. So when it comes to Instagram, that's what's worked for me is really just focusing on the people that are in my world. So I think that's the beautiful irony of it is the moment that you stop caring so much about all the numbers and all the algorithm things like that, and just continue to focus on the quality of your work and what you love doing. Mm -hmm. People just somehow seem to, to get that and it resonates with people. And it's whether it's Instagram or 
whether you have a podcast or a show on YouTube or, you know, a show on Netflix, like whatever you're doing, if you keep that focus on quality, it can work wonders for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's really neat that that's paid off for you. And on the Instagram note, I've seen so many of your amazing works through Instagram. And I think, as you mentioned before, it's not just the pieces of art that you do just out of your studio kind of everyday pieces. You do stuff with licensing, you have all sorts of creative events. So I want to touch on some of those. You've done some live painting before. Yes. Can you share a time that you did do a live painting and maybe one that's most memorable to you? Wow, that's great. There, there are actually a few of them, but I'll, I don't want to go off on any tangents. But one that was really fantastic was I was asked to paint live at a wedding. And oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about the stress of making sure it turns out. okay. <laughs> yeah, so it was, I mean, just to be part of that moment. And um, the couple has been following my art for a while, which was great, too. And they've been my cheerleaders. So it was just a great experience to be able to show up and paint live and get their first dance and take the photos and, and make sure that the vision that they had for that piece, you know, because I did meet with them and see what they had in mind. But bringing that to life and like seeing their face when they saw it finished for the first time. I mean, that was probably one of the main memorable things. It was just such a special, special moment. That is incredibly special. That's really cool. You had that opportunity. How did you go about choosing the painting that you did, the type of work that you did for it? Uh, well, I met with them. And so I did ask, okay, did you want your first dance? Did you want, you know, the first look or, you know, during the wedding, anything like that. And they're like, no, we, we really want the first dance kind of thing. So, so I just kind of worked with their vision and whatever they wanted. I made it happen. Of course. Well, it's not like people have strong feelings about how they want their wedding to go or anything. Yeah. But, <laughs> and then another project that you did that was really, really cool, jumped out to me was you've designed a wine bottle before. Yes. Yes. Tell us so about that. That and that is so I'm like, I feel like I'm so overly excited for these things, but that was a fantastic opportunity. Um, George de Boeuf is a French wine company and they create a lot of different wines. And this was for the Beaujolais Nouveau. And that I learned. I might about need a translator for this part, but keep going. <laughs> that style of wine is from the Beaujolais region and it's the first harvest. And so it's a traditional party type wine. So they don't tamper with it. They do the harvest and they bottle it. And it's supposed to be shared like Thanksgiving and the holidays with your friends and your family. And it's really just about the traditions of the holidays. And they were having a contest to where artists can submit their artwork for the label and based on votes like shares and likes and all these things from social media, that's how they determined who was first place, second place, third place, all of that. So for me, you know, I was sharing that on my social media and I got that opportunity because of the support that I have. And that's what makes it so special. Like my friends, my family, my followers, all of them were sharing it and, and liking and taking that extra step to go to a website, you know, to comment, you know, all of that. And so, yes, it, my artwork ended up winning to be showcased on their 20, 2018 bottles that were sold to Costco's across the United States. Oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah, it was huge. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I mean, you're used to seeing your works like in public spaces and in people's homes, things like that. But what was it like seeing something that you design in Costco's across America? Absolutely insane, especially when I saw it for the first time in the store and they were bringing out the palette, you know, they had it on the wheel and they kind of brought it out and I got to see it all um, in the cases. And it was special too, because like friends and family across the country would take pictures of them at their local Costco, you know, buying the wine and, and sharing that with me and sharing that on their social media. And it was just like this awing experience, like, holy cow, my friends in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you know, are picking up this bottle of wine. It has my name on it, you know, in the name of my artwork and Chicago, you know, it's just this overwhelming sense of, wow. And the fact that it wasn't because of me, it was because of my support and my following, you know, like they made that happen. It was just like this really great feeling. I'm imagining that you 
went to Costco and left with like the entire palette and somehow <laughs> stuffed it in your car to take because I would if I designed a wine label I would just drink that forever I think yeah I definitely had a cart full of like three to five cases of wine and of course I was getting the side glances and side eyes I'm like this is me this is my artwork <laughs> yeah so don't judge me this is my stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's great well you definitely deserve it oh thanks and then your collections that you have on your website it's a really cool mix of different things. I mean you mentioned everything from animals you know shout out hippos i'm not sure if you've done a hippo but you need to do a hippo I'm, I'm, that's an official request <laughs> but no i i mean my mom loves giraffes so when we saw the yes. giraffe we we're like oh my god that's perfect Aww. but anyway everything from animals to pastries to different landscapes and abstract stuff you do which one of those collections has been the most fun and kind of just naturally effortless for you wow they all have something a little different. Um, the abstracts are special because I'm just focusing on color. And I think color is like the complete underline, of course, of my artwork. And that's what really brings it to life. But I really have to say, I enjoyed the confection collection, which was of the cakes and pies and popsicles. That's got a good ring to it, too. That's kind of a, twi a tongue twister. Yeah, yeah. It took a while to think of the name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I went to a museum and I saw Wayne Tybo's work and he is an artist that created pastries and things like that. So if you Google, you know, he's a very famous artist for that. And I saw his artwork for the first time in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm like, that is fantastic. Like, I want to make desserts that are bright and colorful and lively. I mean, just, you know, the whole gamut of what my artwork's all about. And I remember thinking, okay, where am I going to get photos to paint these things. You know, where am I going to get the inspiration? I'm like, well, I could go to Pinterest and just, you know, see if I can generate any ideas or, you know, reach out to people. But then I thought, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. There are so many fantastic dessert, you know, local businesses here. Why not? You know, and I love supporting local business. Like, I'm all about that. So I thought, well, why don't I pick like three local businesses? and see if they'd be interested in me using some of their photos from their social media or marketing campaigns to paint some of their work. So, and that's what makes it so special because I worked with three different local businesses and I'm painting their actual desserts, their actual photos, their actual stuff. And when I had the paintings created, I set up a meeting which, with each of the owners. I was like, okay, I have them done. Do you want to see them in person before the collection release and get a photo together? And so it was just this working together. I'm promoting them and supporting them and they're helping me. So I have images to paint too. It was just this incredible moment of collaboration. And that was just really special. And to see them see their paintings for the first time, like these works that I created of their stuff, it was really just this awesome collaboration that just came about out of nowhere. And I'm like, how can I bring more people into this? How can I, you know, get the photos of the desserts and also help local businesses? So that has to be one of my favorite collections just because of the collaboration piece of it. You can feel the magic with it when you talk about that moment where they, where they see it, especially when it's something personalized like that. So mm -hmm. the, confection collection did i say it right it sounds, yes, perfect, sounds perfect sounds pretty awesome so everything that we've talked about with your business with your art practice with art studio however you want to call it is so much energy there's so much joyful there's so much cheer there i think it's clearly going full-time with it has been such an amazing move for you and obviously very impactful move on your life if you were to think back let's say that you never went full-time with it and it remained a side hustle that you were kind of working at odd hours to get some sort of revenue from. What do you think that business would look like today if you weren't able to commit as much time on it as you have? Oh, it's really hard to say. I mean, it just, it was naturally growing to where I couldn't keep up with it. So if I didn't make the transition, I mean, I would, I have to turn down a lot of work and I probably wouldn't be making a lot of paintings. It'd be kind of dismal to be honest. I'm kind of sad thinking about it, but it just wouldn't. <laughs> it Sorry was about that. No, 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 it's, it's a good thing. But I, 
it just naturally grew into something that I could not sustain as one person. Now I'm still one person running the business, but it, it would have been a lot of missed opportunities, you know, a lot of just not sharing my artwork with as many people as I, as I could. So I'd have to probably turn down a lot of opportunities, not to say everyone's chomping at the bit or whatnot, but just this, it was growing to a place that I could not sustain. So it was either flip the switch or you're gonna have to start saying no to a lot of stuff. I love that. And I know it's can be dismal to talk about, but it's neat to look back on things from years ago and decisions that you made and think of how much it's blossomed, bloomed into mm -hmm. something beautiful yeah. for you. So it's a, that's, it, that's a fantastic answer. Oh, thanks. That is a fantastic answer. And the fantastic answer to podcasts taking way too much time to make and taking up all your time is having somebody there for you who will do the production behind the scenes and help you out to save you time so you can focus back on your business and just doing the interviewing of your fantastic guests. So while we are using the word fantastic over and over again, a fantastic opportunity for you is to reach out to me at max at hippodirect.com if you would like podcast help. I will do the production. I will help you out with the planning and promotion of your podcast. You can focus on interviewing your guests and doing whatever is most important for your time running your business. Email me at max at hippodirect.com. Let's bring your professionally produced podcast to life. Now, to dive further into the creative mind of Jessica Hitchcock. So let's switch gears a little bit. Let's get to a segment on inspiration and creativity. So not that we've talked anything in the creative world so far, but <laughs> something that jumps out to me that keeps coming up is your passion for color and using different colors and kind of the different feelings and emotions that come about there. How did you kind of start geeking out about the world of different colors and experimenting in this space? Like, is that something that is just kind of natural, intuitive to you or, or come about another way? So it's actually funny with, when it comes to paints, like the quality of the paint that you use really makes a difference in how the colors blend and work together. So when I first started, obviously, you know, I didn't have the kind of income to just spend $60 on a tube of paint because it does get pretty expensive. But once I got the quality of paints up, that was one thing. But a lot of my color inspiration is so random. Like if I see ads online and they have certain colors next to each other, just their design, I'll screenshot it and save it to some random folder that I have for color inspo. Or some friends, you know, they were looking at a new house and in one of the mock-up photos was a, uh, a rug that had some really cool color schemes. I'm like, send me that photo. <laughs> so it's completely <laughs> random, you know, like colors are everywhere and they're next to each other. And there's some that just, some palettes just catch your eye. And I'm like, I need this, you know, take this photo, save it for later. So I have this folder of color inspiration from so many random places that it's just kind of, it's just very random but I just love the color schemes as, as I see them. I like the, the peek into your craft of how you're screenshotting stuff and how inspiration <laughs> can come from so many different places. I yeah, think. it's out there. Yeah, I think no matter what you're doing, just screenshotting something you see or taking a note in your notes app or keeping you know, a list of things in a Google Doc, something like that, I think can be so helpful to go back and access and find inspiration at a later time. What's the biggest thing you've learned about experimenting with these different colors in different types of paints is, as you said, it, it makes a difference uh, based on the quality of paint. Yes, the quality of paint. And also I've noticed if I get in a creative rut and I don't feel energized or creative, I will go to the store and I will pick up like maybe two or three new colors that I've never worked with. And I'll kind of come home and work with those. And those turn out to be some of my best abstracts, you know, because it's just this new energy and revitalizing that creativity and stepping outside what you're used to, because eventually you get so used to the way the colors work with one another. When I blend this with this, this is what I get. And to kind of get back to that creativity, that whole creative foundation of trying something new and stepping outside your comfort zone, I'll just buy a new color of paint and call it a day and give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> Try it out. Why not? What's the yeah. worst thing that comes out of it? Exactly. I'll just, you know, 
rework the canvas or throw it out, whatever, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, it's really important to mix it up there. Mm -hmm. How much do you mix up your paintings? Like, let's say you're working on a painting of a giraffe. Later that week, are you more likely to do a painting of, of another animal or to do something completely different? Yeah, so that's why I work in collections because I try to keep it all in the same theme that I'm working on for several reasons. One, when I work in collections, it does create this buzz with my audience. You know, they get to see the different processes and it's kind of this streamlined look in a way, you know, but also it helps to build on the skill. So when I'm working on a collection, if I'm doing animals and I'm painting a giraffe, it just helps to then paint a lion and paint this because I'm honing and, and tweaking this skill that I have and I'm building on it. Um, as opposed to doing a draft one day, doing a pie one day, doing a flower piece one day. It just seems inconsistent and incoherent and whether that's to my collectors or to me mentally trying to create things, to keep things in the same wheelhouse really makes a difference with how I build on it and how it ends up turning out as a group, as a collective you can feel with your collections that even though it's a different animal or if it's a different, a different confection, I don't know if that's the right term. No, no, it is. <laughs> but, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's a different pastry, it still has the same overall theme. Like it fits together as part of the same overall family. Yeah. It's cohesive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How about when you are needing to switch things up or needing to find some creative inspiration? I mean, you mentioned earlier that sometimes it could be as simple as running to the store and trying out new paint colors. Sometimes it can be screenshotting uh, an ad you got on Instagram and saving, finding some inspiration from there. What other ways do you stay creative? I like to run and bike. So doing those- At the same time? <laughs> Yeah, at the same time, talent. absolutely. Yeah, super talent. I've been practicing a while. But yeah, so if I'm running, and especially this goes into not just the painting, but I also, you know, teach other artists and have a, you know, Facebook group page and, and courses. When I'm running or biking, it's like these ideas just start coming to me. And it really helps just the creative process. And especially as I'm running, I start getting excited about the ideas and I start running faster. So it's good for my time too. <laughs> but it you know, just building on these ideas, I don't know, just getting out there and disconnecting and going for a bike ride, going for a run for a little bit of the day, it really just gets this fresh, nuanced idea, you know, and then I'll have to come home and I'll jot it all down and things like that. So really just running and biking and doing that really just opens up all of these new ideas and how to make them work and, and, and all of that. Yeah, I think running i mean biking similar extent as well but when you are out there just stride after stride there's just something about it. i mean you hear the use of the term runner's high but it, mm -hmm. there's something that just mentally is really good for you and really helps to switch things up it's cool that you start running faster kind of <laughs> feel feel that energy the, the more you do it i have to shout out my girlfriend dana who over the course of the past couple of months as we're recording this has made a goal to become a runner and has gone yes. from basically not running at all to consistently running 5Ks. So shout out Dana That's for that. fantastic. Good for her. Yeah. So shout out the app. And if anybody wants to do something similar in, in a short period of time, she's been using this app called C25K. I'm not sure if you've heard about it, but it's mm -mm. basically couch to 5K and it has a really kind oh, of yeah, yeah. natural progression to help you run more and more over time. But yeah, it's been amazing. No, oh, that's awesome. So let's get to a fan favorite segment called the wild business shout out of the week. The wild business shout out of the week. Okay. Isn't it amazing? Wild <laughs> business shout out of the week. This is where we talk about a creative marketing campaign or approach that caught our attention. And you know of a British artist who is doing something really innovative with her strategy. Do you mind sharing that story? Yes, absolutely. So she, yeah, like you mentioned, she's an artist out in the UK. And what she did is she would start, she was releasing a painting every day. And the first person to comment sold 
that's who ended up getting the painting. But the beautiful part about the marketing strategy was that it created this buzz and this energy in her business. And she is on Instagram, mainly that's where she shows up. And so she would create a painting and she, in her story, she'd do behind the scenes. You felt like you were in the studio with her and you got to know her personality and her work ethic and all of that. And then you got to see this painting every day that she created. So you'd set your alarm at, I think it was 8 p.m. every day is when it would go live on her Instagram and the first person to comment. And it just created this buzz and this energy. And like I said, you got to know her and you felt like you were in her studio space and you knew every day when you got on Instagram, let's go see what she's up to. Let's go see what she's doing, what she's created. You know, you kind of get caught up. And I thought that was so great for marketing because it was telling her story. It was, you were getting to know her as a person. She was selling paintings. So it also had that element of the business to it, you know, and you were sharing her creativity. It was just this fantastic marketing strategy that she did for maybe a month, two months. And I move into a new studio space this week. So I'm super excited about that. Congrats and, on that. Oh, thank you. Thanks. It's, it's fantastic. And I am so excited and I want to bring people along on that journey as well. So I thought that that was such a great idea because it really showcased her personality and her studio and all of that. And it was a great way to bring her audience along. And so I'm thinking that that, that would be fantastic to do as well as I move into this new space to not just create this buzz, but create this environment online even of just this cohesive excitement and seeing what I'm up to and getting to know the space and getting familiar with this new area that I'm in. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you'd rock it. I mean, there's inherently buzz with that approach. It makes me think of the, we'll call it the adult beverage space. Uh, when breweries and wineries have like their limited release batches or limited release beers that they, you know, only have this many amount of cases each year, but like, here's when it's coming out. People go absolutely crazy yeah. to get, you know, to like get on the list early and get to get access to those drinks and actually be able to get them and secure them. Like there's, there's just so much more buzz and excitement with it compared to, you know, like a, a case that you could get at, you know, your local store. Oh, totally. It's a similar approach that she's taking in that, as you mentioned, you'll start taking in the art world of that kind of, I don't know if it's, it's putting a time constraint. The scarcity. On, yeah, scarcity. There it is. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I mean, I believe me, I did study business. Trust me. But, <laughs> I believe it. But yeah, the scarcity to it, it adds such a different element and excitement around it. And especially when it's something like you're doing where it's works of art, it can truly just bring it to life to another level because it's something where the product or what you're selling or what you're offering is something that is creative to the core in itself. So I think that's just a, a, a wonderful match there an awesome example you found. Yeah, thanks. I mean, yeah, that all artwork is one of a kind, but like you mentioned, it makes it special because it's that because of that scarcity and that bringing them along on the process and they got to see it be created, you know, in the stories and all of that. So yeah, it's a pretty neat concept. Absolutely. And while we're recording this, I'm just going to comment right now, sold. So I got the first one. I'll take it. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> So let's get to the unusual. So pet peeves, quirks, and weird talents. What is your biggest pet peeve? It really has to be that dry mouth sound when you listen to podcasts <laughs> specifically. So I have- Are you, are you calling me out? No, no, no. You've been great. You've been great. I, I've listened to, to many of your episodes. I'm like, he doesn't do it. This is fantastic. Perfect. Um, Working on yes. it. <laughs> I always have water next to me. So right now I have water next to me when I'm in my, my Facebook group chatting, I always have water or coffee because it's such a, a gross thing to hear in my mind as you're listening. Like sometimes I have to turn podcasts off cause I just can't, I can't deal. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like, you mean when somebody clearly needs water or like when they're licking their lips? What do you mean specifically? I mean, when someone needs water, I just want to shout out, can someone get them a glass of water, please? <laughs> yeah. When they're but constantly yes. clearing their throat, like, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah but just that smacking. That's a big one. Oh, I'll give you brownie points for a reference specific to the podcast world. How about <laughs> quirks? In addition to drinking water, very healthily amount wise, what is something that is a little bit quirky about your personality that maybe somebody's called you out for, but you love it. It's, it's just who you are. 
So I actually had to ask my husband about this because I don't have any quirks now. <laughs> Everybody says that. Yeah. So I fall for every like hook, line, and sinker in cheesy action movies. Whether it's like an explosion or there's a romance kiss scene, like Die Hard. I just saw Die Hard for the first time. Like I was just about to say yippee ki motherfucker. <laughs> nice. Perfect. I just saw that movie for the first time three years ago during Christmas time, of course, because it's a Christmas movie. Um, and <laughs> okay, I was we're so not, we're not even gonna get into that to be. <laughs> But it's, it's a, oh, it's so fantastic. Like everything, like, whoa, no, he didn't say that. Like it was, yeah. So that's my quirk because I just love action movies. Just cheesy ones, the better. That's that's a great one. I actually saw it just a couple months before recording this. I saw it for the <laughs> first time. So kind of in the same boat. And nice. I, I was familiar with it and had heard about the whole Christmas debate, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I was blown away. Like you can, there's definitely elements of cheesiness to it, but it is an incredible movie. Like I see why it is so iconic. You know, I, I haven't seen any of the 17 sequels or whatever there are, but like, it, it's, <laughs> it's oh, nice, but yeah, it is a great movie. And uh, yeah, action and cheesy is quite yeah, well put together. All of it. Absolutely. How about weird talents? So you can't say painting, obviously, but what is, what is something that actually doesn't really have an effect on your business, but is maybe just something like around the house or a memory trick, something that you just have a knack for or really good at? I probably have two main ones. And one is- Go for I, it, both of them. I, I can do the voice of Lois Griffin from Family Guy. No way, you can't. All right, yeah. you take as much time as you want, but you have to do that <laughs> right now. Come on, Peter. What colors a fire truck? Oh, that's right, Peter. They are red. Oh my god, <laughs> that's odd. That's such a hard voice to do. I've never heard anybody do that. That wow! Congrats. I did that's, take... Are you Alex? Uh, are Alex you the actual Borstein. voice of her? Yeah, Alex Borstein. Yeah, I'm also Alex Borstein. No, uh, no, I didn't even have to practice that. It was like one day I just wanted to talk like Lois. I'm like, oh my gosh! So I was for Christmas one or for Christmas for Halloween one year. I was Lois <laughs> while Red watching Die Hard. Yeah, while watching Die Hard. Um, but no, I was here for Halloween one year and it was like the whole night I just talked like her. And by the end of the night, my throat was hurting pretty bad, but you need some water. Yeah. I needed water. That's amazing. I grew up on family guys. So this, this is yes. a dream come true. All right. Yeah, so what's the next, I'm sure the next one will be even better, but no, what's the know. next one? <laughs> um, do you remember TLC, their song waterfalls? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Are you, you do a TLC impression too? <laughs> Well, Lisa Left Eye Lopez, she had a verse in there that she would sing. And my younger self, I spent so much time in my bedroom listening to that CD to learn that whole verse that she has so that I can rap it. And as an adult, I love it for karaoke. Like, so I can sing that whole verse that Lisa Left Eye Lopez does in the Waterfall song. Oh, my God. Are you up for it? Well, actually, are you up for doing it in the Lois Griffin? No, I'm just kidding. No, oh, that would be super tough. Are you um, up for it or at least a few lines of it? Yeah, I mean, I could do the whole, I mean, I could do the whole thing. Yeah, let me get a sip of water. Go for it. Yeah, take as many sips as, of that waterfall as you want. <laughs> nice. Okay. I seen a rainbow yesterday, but too many storms are come and gone, leaving a trace of not one God-given rays. It because my life is ten shades of gray, I pray I'll ten fade away, seldom praising for the sunny days. And like his promise is true, only my faith can undo the many chances I blew to bring my life to a new Clear blue and unconditional skies have dried the tears from my eyes, no more lonely cries. My only bleeding hope is for the folk who can't cope with such an adoring pain that it keeps them in the pouring rain. Who's to blame for tooting cane into your own vein? What a shame you shoot name for someone else's blame brain. You claim the insane and name this day in time. For fall to pray to crime, I say the system's got you victim to your own mind. Dreams are hopeless aspirations and hopes are coming true. Believe in yourself. The rest is up to me and you. Whoa. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god all right you, my you, younger you, self would just thank me like you remembered it <laughs> yeah that's amazing i forgot how long a verse it is that mm -hmm. you are okay you you've taken the cake <laughs> you've taken you've taken the confection the pastries everything of this nice. weird talent section yeah. I, i'm i'm blown away so congrats on that you, oh thank you <laughs> i'm starting to think you're a pretty talented person so, <laughs> <laughs> Weird all right Scott let's let's uh let's wrap up with four more verses no i'm just kidding let's wrap <laughs> up with some rapid fire q a you ready for it mm -hmm. all right what if you had to pick one what is your favorite painting you ever created oh jeez <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> it has to be dancing in the rain 
and I mean, it's rapid fire, so I don't know if you want a full description, but dancing in the you rain. Can, rapid fire is more for me asking, which I fail at anyway, but you go feel free to take as much time as you want. Okay, so there was one painting. It was a rainy day, like from morning to night, and it just took, it was a Saturday. And the whole day, I just painted this piece, and it was colorful, and it was obviously, the whole spiel was colorful, it was bright, it was energetic, and it had a bunch of drips. And I thought it was like my next level abstract painting. So I was so proud of it from that realm. But this extra meaning to it that's taken place, the original did sell, which is awesome, but local hospitals, like our local Sightman Cancer Center, has commissioned me to, to create paintings based on that piece. And the whole color scheme of the new cancer center is based out of colors from that painting. So it has this really emotional, deep, meaningful piece to it that's really mm. been so fulfilling. Yeah, that's so cool. It has extra meaning to it. So mm -hmm. that's that's a great one. How about what is your favorite painting that somebody else has created? So could be a super famous one or could just be something that one of your friends created recently? Oh, I would have to say my, my favorite painting is The Scream by Edward. Oh, yeah. And I, I, nev monk, I never say Yeah, You have to look into it. <laughs> but the funny thing is, so I have a friend of mine, we have seen replicas, her name's Tara, and we've gone to different museums that have quote unquote, the scream. And I went even went overseas to another country, you know, and I we've never seen the real one. There's so many versions of it that he created. It's almost this elusive painting that you don't know if it's the real one or not, or if it's some sketches or a different version. So it's kind of this life joke of, will you ever see the real one? Because you've seen so many of these versions, you know, it's just this elusive painting doesn't exist. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's such a famous one. That's a great example. I think it it's appropriately named because there's a number of things that you could call it, but kind of just calling it the scream, as simple as that is, makes you wonder like, oh my God, like what are they screaming about? Like what's going on there? Right. So it's really creative all the way through. On the flip end of that, so in like a not so <laughs> not so noble and historic approach to it. I find that that is like one of my favorite emojis to use the one with like the hands up the, as it looks like it's great. Like I always think of that painting when I use that emoji. Nice. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever, perfect. I don't know if it was designed to be that way or not, but it had to have been because it's so perfect for it. Yeah. And that's yeah. your favorite. That's great. It's up there. Well, probably the crying laughing one's my yeah. favorite, but yeah, <laughs> it's up there. How about you mentioned action movies, cheesy action movies besides Die Hard. What is the cheesiest action movie that you've watched? Oh, I just love Terminators. <laughs> the Terminator movies. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's the second one. Is that where the guy melts into the like the metal? I'm not sure. I, I, I have like a Rolodex of movies where guys melt into the metal, but <laughs> such a common theme. <laughs> yeah, um, that's my yeah. second favorite emoji. No, that's perfect. Um, yeah, so Arnold Schwarzenegger, pretty much any one of his films. I mean, of course you've got the Terminator, but yeah, anything Arnold Schwarzenegger put there. Or when he was Mr. Freeze. <laughs> yeah, well, no, 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 thank you. <laughs> Not that one. What is your favorite type of candy of all time? I don't know. I don't eat a lot of candy, which is sad. <laughs> I'm with you, but maybe, maybe growing up. I mean, I love sprinkles. So I don't know if that hmm. can be candy. We'll give it to you. But okay. Colorful, fun, put them on anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fits with your paintings. Yeah. And then if you were so... This is kind of a bizarre question, but there's so many historic landmarks in the world. Obviously, like so many of those are like untouchable. You wouldn't want to paint murals on them or anything. But let's say it would there was a positive stigma attached with like putting murals on famous landmarks. What landmark would you paint something on? Holy cow. Um, <laughs> I've been thinking of that for like seven <laughs> years. <laughs> I don't know, because I feel like if I painted a mural on something, it would desecrate it, you know, especially like a... Right, but what if you could make it more, like, colorful and beautiful, like... The Lincoln Memorial would be great. I can't believe you painted it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, there's a little graffiti art on there. I don't know. It's just such this awe. I have seen it in person, and it's a blank white canvas that's just asking for color, and it's so awing. It's such a huge space. So I would say that would probably be my choice. 
Yeah, that's awesome. It's interesting. I just always wondered like what artists view, you know, if you could think of like anything as a canvas and let's say it was like a positive stigma attached to it, as opposed to somebody looking at it as like graffiti or defacing, you know, like mm-hmm. what it's kind, of, it's kind of fun to picture that. But yeah. Anyway, that's enough uh, fantastic or just really weird questions for you today. <laughs> Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story, your creative process, all the amazing things you're doing, and your rapping and Lois Griffin impression. I, <laughs> I'm still speechless, but oh, thank you. where's the best place for people to connect with you, to buy your art, anything you want to shout out? Okay, so I do have a website. It's my first and last name, jessicahitchcock.org. And then my Instagram is at Jessica underscore Hitchcock. And that's where, if you want to see kind of a portfolio of all of my work, all in one there. And then for artists, I teach in the Creative Business Convo. That's the name of my Facebook group for artists and creative business owners. I show up there and I go live and have lessons and all the good stuff. Perfect. And last thing here, final thoughts. It could be anything you want. If you feel like rapping or doing impressions again, or just maybe your favorite quote of all time. Whatever you want, send us off here. Uh, Favorite quote of all time, I'll go for it. We're all stories in the end. Just make it a good one. That is a good one. You might even say fantastic. Thank you, Jessica. That was a work of art. And thank you, Wild listeners, for tuning in to another episode. If you want to hear more wild stories like this one, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite app and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Good Pods, where you can find all the podcasts your friends, family, and others are listening to. In addition, check out everything HippoDirect has to offer at HippoDirect.com, and you can connect with us on social media on your favorite platform at the handles HippoDirect and Max Brandstetter. Until next time, let your business run wild. Bring on the bongos! Bongos!